Hello and welcome to episode number 19 on Cashflow Candy. Today we're interviewing Pam Brosman. Pam is a leading international digital media expert. I've brought her on the show specifically because she's an Amazon bestseller 12 times over and helped 50 other authors become number one bestsellers on Amazon as well. But this interview goes even deeper than that. We also talk about the shift in consciousness that's happening in business today, the space around you, in where you work, and the importance of how much it impacts your results. There's so many great takeaways. Also, the why to focus on one thing in what you do or how you actually market yourself. So now let me introduce you to the digital self-publishing queen, Pam Brosman. Annette Lakovich, and you're listening to Cashflow Candy. Join me while I interview successful entrepreneurs, business specialists, and share the ultimate information, helping you increase your sales, doing what you love. So let's start making some candy for your business. So let me introduce you to Pam Brosman. Hi, Pam. Are you there? I am. And thanks for having me, Annette. I have been so excited and waiting for our interview. It's been um, quite some time since we've been trying to get together. I know with our busy schedules and last time um, we had a bit of a mishap. <laughs> I think it was with, with me, wasn't it, the last time? Oh, look, you're, you're a mum of a newborn <laughs> child. I totally get it. Trust me, I've been there. Oh, look, Pam, the reason why I really wanted to get you on Cashflow Candy was I have so many clients that I'm working with and just know there's so much um, of you know growth with the entrepreneurial women out there in the world and you are the expert and the go-to person I see for self-publishing. And I wouldn't get anyone else except for you on the show just because you don't just teach people that you've walked the walk. You've um, had, what is it, 10 best Amazon um, bestsellers? Well, I yeah, I must admit I've done two with the new uh, creator tool, which I absolutely love. So I actually have 12 books, but those other two books are sort of like picture books more than uh, fully written books. Mm. So today what I really want to share with everybody is your like two two areas. One, so they walk away with a lot of growth on self-publishing and um, a lot of your, your hottest tips and mm-hmm. and really your journey as a female entrepreneur, which I'd love to share, start with first because I've read your book, um, The Millionaire Attitude, and mm-hmm. there's some awesome stories in there. Um, not so awesome at the time. No. <laughs> no, definitely scary. But let's just start with this. What was one of the biggest shifts that happened for you to really get into entrepreneurship? And then we'll talk about the shifts that happened, let's say, in the last six to eight weeks, which might have something to do with Necker Island, does it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. <laughs> Just a little. Um, okay, well, the first shift for me was obviously when I had my son, and you'll relate to that because you're probably going through that right now. A lot of things have changed for you mm-hmm. uh, in the first year of having a child. And I had 25 years corporate, and I married a man who was an entrepreneur and never really worked for anybody else but himself. And I couldn't quite relate to his lifestyle. You know, I'd always worked the nine to five. So after 12 months of being on maternity leave, it was time for me to go back and I couldn't go. I could not leave my child. I I had a child late in life. I was 39 years old and I actually didn't think I was ever going to become a mum. Mm-hmm. And I tried so hard to have that child that when it came to leave him, I just couldn't choose my career because I was in a real high-pressure job and one of those ones where I'd be there till seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. Mm. And with managers who really just said, look, you know, your kid can wait. <laughs> and um, I, and can I, just, I just say that happens a lot in the corporate. Like I hear that a lot with the women that are in corporate and they're 
they're slaves to it and really to be able to have that family life, it's just non-existent. There's so much pressure there. So I've heard that and, and so much. And it's true, you know, it's not a reality that you can have this balance. When that guy's got a tender and you're mm-hmm. the only person that can make that tender happen. Yeah. And your kids at home um, absolutely beside themselves, mm. they don't care. Mm. So I just made that executive decision that, no, I'm not going back. Yeah. And that was the scariest decision I ever made because I was, you know, earning really good money. And did you even know what you wanted to do or you, it was just totally in circumstances where you just knew that it just wasn't the lifestyle that was matching where you wanted to be or how you wanted to be as a mother? I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do because, you know, Steve, what Steve did had nothing to do with what I knew. And (laughs) so for the first two years after that, I had to try and figure it out. And I I started with everything from selling things on eBay uh, to buying. I went to lunch one day with my husband and it was all about making money online. I heard about making money with a website. Mm -hmm. And I went to this lunch and got the complete sales pitch and won me totally over and my husband had to leave early. So that was a real dumb thing to do because I said to him, Can, you know, I'm going to buy one website. And he said, okay. So he left me the credit card and I bought five. <laughs> how long ago are we speaking here? Like how many years We're ago talking. So Hunter would have been two. Yeah, okay. And um, I came back home and he said, so how did you go? And I said, oh, I, I bought five. And then within a month of buying it, I was in over my head. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And he said something really powerful to me. He said, Pam, you spent five grand. He said, you're smart, figure it out. <laughs> I love it. And so and that's was the no entrepreneurial mindset. You know, that's the entrepreneurial mindset. It's optimism. It's um, ideas. It's continually moving forward you know what I mean like it's the way the the, the entrepreneur works so I just love that comment comment you're working out because you yeah, will well, I had to because he said you spend the money now figure it out and so it really was the sort of push I needed because I was freaking out mm. and so I did I figured it out and it took me probably three trial businesses to start getting momentum and then when I started Social Media Woman then it just clicked because I actually took my expertise with communications from my corporate life mm-hmm. into an online magazine and it took off. Yeah. What was that magazine? Do I remember that? I feel like I remember that. was called that. Social Media Woman. So it yeah. was when social media just started and mm-hmm. um, I just saw all these people getting confused of what shall I do, Twitter, shall I do, you know, all those things that were there at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. And then what did you move into after that? So you went social media woman. Then I got into video marketing because one of my mentors was saying that was the medium and we went on a cruise and we were doing all sorts of social media and then I said uh, we weren't standing out at anything. You know, we were doing okay at Twitter and we were doing okay at LinkedIn and okay at Facebook, but we weren't winning the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my mentors said to me, look, you really have to be a leader of one. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I said to Steve, out of all of them, which one do you love the most? And we both said video. Great question. And so that's what we did. We decided that would be it. And then we went on a harbour cruise with a hundred other six-figure people and some millionaires from London to Florida, and it was a mindset cruise. It was a million-dollar mindset cruise. And on that cruise, 
Uh, Brendan we, Burchard, is it? Brendan no, Burchard? that one no. was with um, Australians. That was with uh, Joey Martin. Oh, okay. No, Joanna Martin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I know somebody else that actually went on that cruise. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, small world. So we had a session on there where we could pitch what our business was going to be and Steve and I had come up with this three-day boot camp that we were going to run on video marketing and they poo-pooed it. They said, don't do it. Wow. Andrew and Daryl Grant said, don't do it. It's a fad. Video is not going to take off. <laughs> don't waste your time. <laughs> oh, wow. And I was so deflated. I was so upset because I I planned it. It was already and and I just said to Steve, my gut says they're wrong. Mm. And, and how so many Steve times said, does this happen? How many times this happened, Pam, where, I, I, where every woman that I have interviewed on this show has this exact story. They're so passionate about something and then when they've put it out there, they've been slandered for it straight away. It's not going to work. Give up now. Walk away before you waste your money. And it's just so interesting once again hearing this. Yeah, well, the, see, it was um, so we got off that boat and I said, Steve, I've got to do it. I said, I just have to know. I can't die wondering. So we booked this boot camp for eight weeks after we got off the boat mm-hmm. and we had our first $70,000 day. Oh, well, see, that didn't work. Yeah, it was a complete <laughs> flop. <laughs> so I you must you admit, though, good. Annette, that the person who told us came up to us a couple of years later and he said, I made the biggest mistake. Yeah. You guys uh, nailed it. You made, you made the right call. You made the right decision and look at you now. Mm. So what did you do for the marketing then? Because it's not just that you've got a great business idea. Like you didn't just get the 70K from people being interested. You had created a strategy. Maybe you were creating the strategy as you were going because you had the marketing background. Um, But do you remember what you did specifically back then? Maybe it was embarrassing because you wouldn't do the same thing again, but it worked back then because everything was new. <laughs> well, what I did was is I tried the different things that were working with the video. And see, I'm one of these people, I will not lie. I will not fake it till I make it. I had to prove that it was working for me. Mm-hmm. So what I actually did to market and I used Social Media Woman magazine is everybody was starting to do these magazines, but no one was using videos in their magazine. And I thought, wouldn't it be awesome if I took the the medium of YouTube videos and taught people stuff, but actually put it in the magazine so it was like a virtual magazine. Brilliant. And so that was the key marketing tool I did. I actually started teaching people how to do stuff and then I created courses showing them how to do it themselves. Mm. And that was what I was selling. I was selling what I showed them I was be able to achieve and then I showed them how to do it. So that was the most significant thing that happened back then, just to change you from corporate businesswoman to yep. entrepreneurial businesswoman, yeah? Yes, yes. What happened six to eight weeks ago that you were talking about before? You said there was a significant change that happened just recently. Well, I was doing, I've been doing books for three years and um, I'm one of these people who love to set trends. Um, I see what's working overseas and we're in Australia about three years behind everybody else. Right. So as much as things are taking off there, so I learn from people over there and then I like to bring it here so that uh, the women that hang out with me, they have the edge. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been doing books obviously for the last three years and uh, it's sort of really starting to take off here in Australia now because Amazon.com.au only launched 12 months ago. 
Oh, so, right. Yes, there was no Amazon.com.au. Mm-hmm. So I kept on hounding Amazon saying, when's it coming to Australia? When's it coming to Australia? Because people didn't want to do the books because they said, well, my target market aren't in the US. You know, yeah. the people who were buying on there. So he says, well, so what's the point of doing the book? Which was very narrow thinking in mm. this day and age where you can have a global market. But I could see for the people who had brick and mortar businesses who wanted to leverage it, they didn't want to try and get the traffic from there. So in the last 12 months, books have really taken off here in Australia. Yeah, they have. And just um, that whole positioning strategy as well, just really... It's, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And I do wonder now, which I'd love to get your your feedback on, and I don't want to ruffle any feathers with yourself or with anyone else, but I wonder because now of this Amazon um, fast strategies, if then it starts to take away, if everybody's starting to do it, I just wonder if it takes away some of the credibility because before it built the credibility, but I've, I've been toying with it um, for a while. I actually b- wrote a book um, just before Braxton was born and the day he was born I got the editor's notes back and, and God, <laughs> to go back through my book again. <laughs> I remember you telling me you came and spoke to me and you said, Pam, the editors cho- totally changed my language and, and the message that, that I was, had there. That was, no, that was the test. They had a test um, chapter. Oh, okay. And no, I didn't choose that editor. Yeah, and I did go to you saying, "This is what's happened." You said, "It's going to be your message. It's going to be your yeah. voice." Knowing that's what I felt. No, I chose somebody else, and she did a really good job of just cleaning up my grammar and um, just sort of saying, "You're doubling up here." Like it was just really good. But I had to go through, you know, each chapter. And the book's been sitting there now for I don't know how long because I feel like I just want to give it to somebody just to run with it. And I have been contemplating for so long just thinking, I just don't know about the Amazon fast now because I feel like if everybody's doing it, will it lose the credibility? So what's your thoughts on this? Because I've really been toying with it for a while and I'm just in total procrastination stuck mode about what to do with it. Okay, I'll tell you the benefits of doing it and then you can make your own decision. Mm -hmm. The key and core biggest benefit of putting it up on Amazon is they have the reach. If I ever thought, like my uh, Your Millionaire Attitude has been downloaded over 40,000 times. Wow. Now, so if I ever thought I was going to reach it. them. What I want to know is I just don't want it up there for it to be a bestseller. There's strategies we can do to help drive it. But I do want it to make that impact. That's That's what I really want. So to hear you actually say that the millionaire mindsets had a 40,000 people that have downloaded, is that what you're saying? Yeah, and there's strategies to get more. Like in the beginning when you first gone up on, um, I mean, I've been up there now for three years, just over three will be yeah. four. Um, the strategies that they were using back then, you know, you would give it away for free and that's where you got a bigger reach um, and, and, and got your message out there, but then it would also impact your Amazon bestseller status. Mm-hmm. But then it's all changed in the last three and a half years. So there are strategies to get it out to people faster. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if you know people who have your exact target market, like if you went to a blogger, uh, which is like the 48-hour week, you know, he went and connected with all the, the bloggers, they had humongous followings, then you can get it out to even bigger market. Mm-hmm. So it all still boils down to marketing. You can still put a book up there and no one will ever, ever find it. Yeah. Because it's now there's a lot of books on there. Mm, yeah. Uh, so you really need to, and that's 
that's where I married my internet marketing and marketing skills and taught myself how to write a book because I'm not the world's best writer. God, and seriously, I never wanted to write a book in my life. <laughs> really, I didn't. I, I flunked English. So if you're sitting there thinking you have to be a good writer, but I know my stuff. Mm. And this is where I say to people, you need to find a great editor that can make your book sing, but don't not tell your story yeah. or make a bigger impact because you think you're you're not the best writer. Mm. That's and, not it. And the way that things are changing now is that the authenticity, um, you know, is stronger than ever before. Um, obviously we want it to be legible, but it's just really about that message and who you are as an individual instead of sort of being this, you know, cardboard cutout, uh, cut out of, you know, somebody similar to something else. So, um, and I think that's just so important. When, when I talk to um, people that want to get into public speaking and they're scared to do public speaking, it's the same thing. Like I say to them, somebody needs to hear your message the way that you say it. And it's going to connect with them because the way that you say your message comes from your heart, comes from your soul, comes from your story, and it's the way that you need to deliver it because you can get public um, speaking skills. Like I've done so many public speaking um, training courses for people over the years, especially for corporates. But the one thing is is how to connect with your story of that realness. And so let's just say with your business, with your books, how have you created all these different ideas? You've got 12 now. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> now, now let me say this one thing. You know how you asked me what is the shift that happened in the last eight weeks? Yeah. This is going to be the honest, true, authentic me. I've shed a lot of tears in the last eight to 12 weeks because mm -hmm. I knew that I was doing a stretch and a transition and I didn't have the love for the doing it for positioning and marketing anymore. Mm -hmm. I, in the last lot of books that I helped create, had the most heart-wrenching stories that needed to be told. And that's where I knew my impact was. What if no one had heard that story? So... I'm more interested in actually people impacting other people's lives than, you know, prancing around saying I'm an Amazon number one best-selling author. Mm -hmm. That's where the shift, it's, and it's all about conscious because that's what Richard's about too. It's all about doing good and good things will happen. It's all about screw business as usual. It's all about conscious business models. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm shifting with the books. Like I was actually going to walk away from the books. Completely. Yeah. Because it, my heart wasn't singing about it anymore because it was just not, people weren't doing it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. And now I actually want to help more women who have that story that you're talking about. Yeah. And um, that's just a natural shift. Like I had Debbie Spellman on the show. She was talking, you know, the difference between, you know, the ego um, and, and self and because, you know, we're taught so much on positioning strategies and getting out there in the marketplace and, you know, being that leader and, and it's such a masculine, competitive, um, you know, edge or old school feel. Um, and it's really what I've actually been going through as well is, you know, the sales expert was all about 
um, you know, position myself because that was my skill and that's that's the thing that I could go into any business and just totally revamp it. But the last, um, I'd probably say the last 18 months has really been shaping to I just love helping people feel like they're unbeatable, that they can do anything. And I've always had that personal development background and done heaps of stuff with, you know, NLP and hypnosis and that. Um, and it's just quite interesting. Do you think this shift is happening for a, a lot of women or a lot of people? Because they can't just target women because obviously, you know, you're saying like Richard Branson. I know corporate companies are doing it. I get put into corporate companies now to teach sales training but to do um, – transformational leadership which is all mindset stuff yeah no there's a, definitely a big shift happening and uh richard is driving it you know he really believes that he loves women he loves women because he believes that they bring that empathy mm. and they bring that consciousness that, that the men just don't feel or have or can communicate in business it's just down the line you know he's all about the he's not about not for profit he believes it's all about, this is his new mantra, in, and Virgin United is all about planet, people, profit. Mm -hmm. Do good and good will happen. Yeah. And these businesses that are taking off are actually focusing on making the positive shift and the profits are growing faster than any other company that's focused on profit and then throw a little bit of money to charity because they're, they're doing it the wrong way around. Mm. And I believe definitely there is a shift happening because I'm the most non-woo-woo person you'll ever meet on the planet. Right. I really am. I've spent the last, ask my husband, I'm just, I'm sort of like the pessimist, but I felt like I needed to change because it wasn't making me happy. <laughs> the pessimist ends up turning to the biggest advocate. <laughs> I know, and I know this is what's so scary, but he loves it because it's just, where I see I needed to shift and where I see so many women are lost because they're and, – and the good thing is, you know, when I'm talking about revamp because I'm doing that program that I'm doing, the revamp, you can still do the uh, promotion and the positioning and everything, mm. but you do it from a different space. Yeah, it's it, – exactly. And it's the different space that we're talking about. It's not the – and for those that are listening, when we're talking about space and if this is getting too woo-woo for you, if you think about the – what's the driver or like Pam was saying, the consciousness behind it is that out of desperation, fear. Um, I had so much fear when I fell pregnant, Pam. I – when I fell pregnant, I was in the middle of doing a Australian tour to then build into an American tour for 2014, right? I find out that I'm pregnant and suddenly I'm like, okay, great. I'm just a doer. So I'm like, okay, let's just bar all that and let's start building an online business. And the reason why was because I was so scared because I had been working so hard um, at building my profile that I thought when I fall pregnant, when I have a baby, I'm going to fall off, fall out of line. I'm going to lose my place in line. And it was, when you talk about the space, the the fear of that is from a different, um, you know, you work from a different space. The crazy thing was my business did actually improve even more. <laughs> so Oh, I yeah, because you became the mum that you were supposed to be. Mm. I think, I actually think that you've got a much higher profile. I mean, you were successful, don't get me wrong, in what you were doing. But from a woman's perspective, you're so much more attractive since you become a, a mum because you're just 
you're in our realm. Mm. You relate to you. Okay, okay. So you know, I'm going to run a little bit late because you know Braxton's throwing a tanty, and that, that that's just <laughs> the real world for us. And he's asleep in the room, two rooms down. And I'm like, I cannot get on there until he's actually asleep. <laughs> Well, that's right, and that's been our reality, and and that's the sort of reality and consciousness that women are working towards, and empowering it mm-hmm. and loving it. And now, you know, Richard's just become a granddad, and he, he talks all the time about his kids and how you know their world's going to change, and he wants to make their world a better place. Yeah, beautiful. It's awesome what he's doing. So um, tell me about what, what was one of the biggest things that you learnt just being actually in his presence because that would have been just the most, the, the trip of your lifetime, being over there at Necker Island. It was a very humbling experience and I tell you what, the people that were on that island were just like you and me but I'm reading a book at the moment, um, Play, Play Big, mm-hmm. and um, Steve and I were probably the smallest players on that island. And yet every one of the people there were just like us. Yeah. And it, the really big takeaway was it's time to play a bigger game and make a bigger impact. And Richard said something that really, really honed in on Steve. He, was, he had the opportunity by accident, Steve went upstairs to have breakfast and Richard happened to be sitting there all by himself. And so he sat there and talked to Richard for half an hour and he told him about an idea he'd been sitting on. And so Richard just looked at him and said, so do it. And he said, don't die wondering. He said, if it doesn't work out, who cares? Just do it. Mm. And that's how he runs every one of his 300 businesses. Mm. He has an idea. He throws it out there. If it works, fantastic. If it doesn't, then he's lost nothing. Yeah, he detaches from outcome. Yeah, it's really just, yeah. you know, it's going to make an impact somewhere. Mm. It may not be a profitable impact, but it's definitely going to make an impact. Mm. It's so interesting because I actually just um, put out a new corporate um, speaking program, which is called Play Big. <laughs> oh, really? That's yeah, funny. that's just so crazy because everything I'm talking about now is what is it you really want to go after? Like what is it? There's something there that I, I notice that so many women, they're, they're in startup mode or they're about to do startup mode. They're just taking that jump or they're in this, this slight part of growth stage. And I noticed that those women, there's something that they ultimately want, but they think that they're going to create a business of X, Y, Z, whatever it might be, as a stepping stone. And I'm just noticing that everyone I'm sitting down with, I'll just go, what do you really want to do? And as soon as I find out what they really want to do, it's like, well, scrap what you're doing now because, you know, what you really want to do is, let's just say, play big, but they're doing everything to protect themselves to stay small just in case it doesn't work out. But if it doesn't work out, at least they've given it a shot. Like I'd hate to die wondering, you know, for that film clip, that that idea for the film clip years ago, I just had this idea. I had this very strong feeling. I'm a very kinesthetic worker and um, I just thought this is what I feel. I feel like I want to get this message out there. I get so many women saying they're scared of sales. I'm just going to create a film clip. I didn't think about it. just did it. It was awesome too (laughs) and people loved it and that was a side of um, you that we didn't hardly ever get to see or people didn't even know existed. Mm, Yeah, that's so true. And how popular were you when you were on stage? I mean, seriously, when you were rocking it on stage just, the other month that was awesome in front of a thousand people and you're sitting there rapping and then the whole house is going crazy yeah I just you know I 
I yeah, I didn't put my music into my into what I do. And for me, like I said, the last 18 months is really about that authenticity, really bringing out. I teach authenticity when I was selling, like when you sell, but I was thinking I need to have more authenticity in my presentations. And I thought, what does it mean? I thought, it's music. How do I make this learning more fun? Um, Pam, can you go through just a bit of your journey? Because everyone knows that you've you've built such an incredible um, business around yourself and around your ideas and around you just getting out there and doing it. And I just love the the strength and the tenacity and the power that you actually have as a woman. Um, but I want people to understand that that has been tested. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. Many times. So do you mind if we go just through just a bit of your journey, just how, how it was tested financially? You sure. didn't just always have land on your feet and things were just in front of you? No, no, most definitely. What? Where do you want me to start? Where, uh, just before it happened or? Yeah, let's, um. Like in your book, so guys, I'm just um, got a book in front of me. It's called Your Millionaire Attitude. And, you know, Pan's belief is you've already got it. It's just learning to activate it. And there's a story there. It's on page 84 where you talk about how um, you left home at 18 years old. You had $500 in your pocket and um, you jumped on a plane. Where are you actually from? I've got no idea even where you're from. Oh, I'm Canadian born, but my... Um parents migrated to New Zealand when I was eight. Right. So I got, came over from New Zealand. Mm. So later later on you um, fell pregnant, you had a little boy yep. and you had a friend that gave you some amazing deal. You've actually built up a nice investment property. So let's sort of go around that area. Okay. So the story was I've been very successful in buying property before I met my husband. I had a love of property. I did very well in the stock market. And um, I doubled my money in two properties. And then I met my husband. And I still had my second property. And we moved into this place after we had Hunter. I was then now on maternity leave. I just So Hunter was just one. And um, we got this opportunity to buy our first million-dollar home. Mm-hmm. With uh, our next door neighbour who was a very good friend. Uh, that turned out to be a not so wise decision, but it was my decision at the time and Steve didn't want to do it. So that's where all the guilt came in. Yeah. And I talked him into doing it. And it turned out to be a dodgy deal. So we did get the house, uh, but at a humongous financial stressful. Like we're just talking, we were paying seventeen thousand dollars a month. Holy crap! That was our mortgage repayment when it was supposed wow. to be. The deal was supposed to be six. Mm. Okay, so we landed ourselves in. Right, so here I am, newborn baby or like ten month old baby. Bought this house. Everything was supposed to be fine. And, and have you left before. corporate at this stage? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm gone. So it's just Steve and Steve's business had just been taking off and we'd sort of put a little bit of money away and then all of a sudden all this money that we'd put away is now being thrown at this $17,000 a month mess. Uh, but we had two choices. So we had two choices. We were either going to get sued for the deal falling over and, you know, not being able to buy the house or take on this humongous debt and buy the house and just pray that something happens 
that we don't go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. So I just went into survivor mode, which is what I'm really good at. And I said to Steve, I believe that we can fix this. So he said, okay, fine. So we did that. We bought it. We borrowed off of every person we knew on the planet mm-hmm. to keep that house. And sure enough, seven months later, we had to sell it because it wasn't sustainable at that amount of money. But I sold it for $300,000 more than what I bought it for six months earlier. Wow. <laughs> so it was a smart investment, but the downsize was we owed so many people money that we didn't walk away with any. Yeah. Any profit from that house, but we did not go bankrupt and it was one of the scariest times of my life. Mm. And so we went from there to having live in a horrible red brick unit and I went into serious depression for four years where I'd lost my complete self-confidence as just the ability. I'd never, ever been put in that situation before and then with a child I was just too scared to do it again. So... I stayed there for four years because we went down to a sustainable value. You know how you get in that comfort zone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were living in the same suburb, but I wasn't, I was living in this horrible place that did not epitomize success. And I remember, um, I don't know if it was in the book or if you have just heard one of your interviews where you said you were embarrassed to take people there. Oh, I wouldn't bring anybody home. So Hunter started school. So that was, we were there for four years. And um, then Hunter started school while we were in that horrible little red red brick unit and all the people that he was going to school with were millionaires. Mm -hmm. So we would go and pick him up from play dates at these beautiful mansions around where we live. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Hunter came home to me one day and he said, Mummy, why won't you let people play at our house? Because I didn't want them to pick up their child from this horrible little red brick unit. Because it was a, it, it signified failure to me. To you, yeah. To me, that yeah. was that was where we'd fallen. Mm. So, and uh, it was just it was a reminder as well for you of just being so persistent and just wanting something to realizing that it just was a bad deal. Oh, seriously! Every time I drove into that red brick unit, I felt sick. The little red brick unit was a reminder of failure, so I just had failure in my head all the time. And then I said to Steve that day when Hunter said that to me, I said, this giving up, I'd given up on living the dream. And I thought, how can I, how can I teach my son to be the best person he can be and live the dream when his own mother has given up on hers? And that was the switch. That was a flick for me. Yeah. And I said, no more. And I had a call with my mum and I told her what Hunter had said. And she said words that were so powerful to me. She said, Pam, you got to the top once before you can do it again. Don't let this stop you. And that was just like, you know what? She's right. I've done this so many times. I'm smart. I can figure this out. So that's when we sold, because we owned that little red brick unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we sold it. And I said, Steve, I promised my son a dog and he's going to have it. And so after we sold the unit, we moved into a house and the journey back to the top 
began. Yeah. And do you know, um, I know you said you're not into woo-woo stuff. Um, yep. We've got a lady coming up, uh, Tanya Gabrielle. I don't know if you know her. She's oh, a, I know Tanya yeah. Gabrielle very well. She's oh, a lovely, lovely she's woman. She's amazing. And yeah. um, I've done a few sessions with her. And she actually said in one of her sessions, um, you need to surround yourself in nice things. She says it doesn't have to be. It's it's not about um and I, as soon as she said oh, I get it, it's not about the um oh, what's the word I'm after um it's not about having the egocentric nice things. So yeah, not about no, having... but it's just it's just I I need a surrounding that feels nice because yes. I work better, and and she said and that just helps you feel good, <laughs> and I was like yeah do you know what that is so true. If, you know, for my interviews, I have two offices in my house. I've got one, which is my administration office. And then I have my beautiful office where, you know, my clients come in and it's all white and <laughs> glass and crystal. It's beautiful. It's so pretty. You know? um, but when I do my cash flow can interviews, they're always on Wednesdays, which is when I have Braxton. So I put Braxton to bed and I go into this um, administration office. And when she actually said it, I thought, I know exactly what you mean because I cannot work in this office. Just think it's got, I'm looking around now, it's got shelves and it's like this massive built-in office. But for me to feel like I can work, I have to clean it up. So whenever I do my cash flow candy interviews, you know, it just like I've just got this beautiful bare desk and just my glass of water and the microphone. Because <laughs> it just That's feels funny like- you should say that because what happened with us is we – moved into so our business took off mm-hmm. and it's it's been doing really well I did the speaker circuit and, and it took off and my son goes to a school I live next to the ocean and I've been in the same place which I love and I'll never leave for 15 years since it all happened mm-hmm. and my son wanted to move closer to school so we went and moved to this absolutely beautiful mansion I mean beautiful six bedrooms swimming pool tennis court water views but it was away from the ocean it was overlooking in a harbor but I'm a beach girl and that's what makes me happy so anyways we've been there for two years mm-hmm. and it was that awesome space that you're talking about but I said to Steve, I have to get back to the ocean. Mm. And so <laughs> we're currently, and I, I'll tell you, I, this is where I'm getting to what you're saying, to be able to live where I want to live, I had to downsize my standards mm-hmm. to be next to the ocean. So I've gone from this, I'm only renting at the moment because I'm looking to buy my dream house. Mm-hmm. So I've gone from this beautiful mansion to now living in this horrible semi. It's almost like the red brick house. (laughs) And I'm telling you, I've noticed a shift in what's happening in my business. It sort of went backwards because the space isn't as nice and ambient and it doesn't reflect what I want or see for myself. Mm. And I noticed that it impacted on my business. Yeah, it's interesting. See, so we're looking you're coming to across out. to the woo-woo land. You're coming across, girl. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I've got to get out. So at the moment we're, we're looking because I said to Steve, this space is like being back in the red brick unit. And so I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. The space you put yourself in definitely impacts your results. Yeah. Hey, um, I'd love to touch on you and Steve, the relationship to entrepreneurs, um, 
yeah, he's just a brilliant guy. I remember meeting him a few years ago at um, one of Amanda Brax's, um, I think it was just a birthday event or something, and I said to him, oh, you're Pam Brosman's <laughs> husband. <laughs> Oh, that would have gone down like a ton of bricks. <laughs> and because you did such a great job at marketing yourself, I felt like I knew you. And this is what's really important, guys, about social media and how it's its really you feel like you know that person and you build rapport with them. And I had never met you, but I actually, I actually was so confused I felt like I had. <laughs> Oh, I, that happens a lot. I have a lot of really, really, really close friends that I've never met mm. and I've met through social media and we talk all the time on Skype and the phone like we're best friends like you and I. But you and I were like best friends the first time we met. Yeah. So it works. So, yes, what do you want to ask me about me and my husband? So who are how, do you, how do you keep such a strong bond, such a strong relationship Um Obviously, you've gone through hard times and you've gone through massive growth. Um, you both do your own thing. You're both great individuals. Um, how do you how do you keep it together and how do you keep so beautiful? Oh, you might you might have to ask him that one because he may not agree with what I say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could bring him in. He's just walking past with the dog. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, we're very opposite. Mm-hmm. Um. Steve's a much more calm, relaxed person, so I think that's got a lot to do with it. I think if if he was as crazy as I am, um, we probably would have got divorced 10 years ago. But he is weird. You know what the, the key is? Steve and I are best friends. Yeah. Seriously, when the going was tough and, and you know, so many times we didn't know if our relationship would survive because we hit some really low lows and it was a scary time and you you tend to, to blame each other and it can get really crazy but in those times we just became friends again mm-hmm. and we just worked through as if 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 it was just you my best friend helping me out what would we do and and I truly believe Steve and I work because one he's just an awesomely amazing man mm-hmm. Um, he loves his mother and I believe any man that absolutely adores his mother is a good man. And uh, he respects women and he empowers me to be the best that I can be. And I would say they're the best qualities that I have in him. He's never once said to me, Pam, don't do it. Mm-hmm. He's always said to me, Pam, let's let think about it what's the benefit going to be to you doing this? And if you feel strongly enough, he said, then you go for it. Like you've got my 100% support. So having him just believe in me yeah, and just say go for it and if it doesn't work out, we'll, you know, we'll figure out where to go after that, it really works for us. Yeah. And when we need space, we give each other space. Yeah. So similar, so similar because I'd say that with Pete. Oh, Pete's just so much like that, Steve. That, you and that, I yeah. are like... I know. I was just thinking, gee, that's actually very similar. Like, and then I thought actually we are pretty similar and they're pretty similar. Yeah. That's, <laughs> oh, that's We're crazy women and these guys are the calming. <laughs> yes. They're the grounding factor in the relationship and they're both really great with their kids. Oh, yes, yes. So, Pam, let's get some take-home stuff for um, for the listeners. You were talking before about... You're on this cruise and 
you were trying to do all these different things and then it was mentioned to you, do one. What's important for women to figure out their one thing to get them, you know, to to the, the we could say top of the food chain or just so they can actually feel their ultimate success and really feel like they're really, really in their stride? Well, that's where the direction is that I'm going now. If somebody asked me, I'm just started up with a new mentor and he's just absolutely brilliant. And uh, he said to me, what is it do you believe has been your number one success, the reason why you've got, you know, back to the top so quickly? And I said, it's because I've always focused on that one thing that one standout thing mm-hmm. that can help the biggest amount of people. And I believe that is the missing link and that's what I'm working on, helping people find their one thing. You know, people come up to me and I say, what do you do? And they say, oh, I do Reiki or um, I do leadership coaching. Mm-hmm. I said, well, how's that going to stand out with anybody else? You know, what's your one thing that that you love to do that if I didn't pay you to do it, you'd do it anyways? Yeah. That makes the biggest impact to other people. And then you see their face light up. They could talk about it for hours. I said, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And that will make the biggest impact. And as Richard Branson says, do good and good things will happen. Mm. And so that's what I want to focus on. And, And key takeaway is you really have to find that one thing. And some people are a little bit lost. They think it's just all about their talents. This is another thing I learned on the island. There's a um, a guy by the name of Yannick Silver. I don't know if you know him. He's really well known in the internet marketing space. And he really resonated with me. And while he was talking about on the island, he says, so many people are doing what they're talented at mm-hmm. but not what makes their heart sing. Yeah. So he was making millions and millions of dollars in the internet marketing work space but that wasn't making him happy. Yeah. So he said, what's all the skill sets that I can bring that I can use to make a bigger impact, a conscious impact? Mm. And that's when he started running these events on Richard Branson's Island. And remember when I was saying to you, there's so many women that I talk to and I'll say, but what do you really, really want to do? Like I feel like they're doing stepping stones. And for me it was it was because how I felt and so I've just actually learned to read through it and it even just happened yesterday I had a girl um on the phone or a lady I should say on the phone and she um has been in startup mode for so long and I'm just thinking there's something holding it back and I said just push mm. that aside if 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 you could not fail you know the could not fail question as corny as it is I said if you could not fail what do you really want to do and it's the stuff that you're embarrassed to maybe even share to people like it, you you might dream it for a second and you push it down And that's the stuff, Pam, and that's what you're talking about. That's the stuff that I find is the what I call the brilliant, the brilliant idea that you're meant to do, but we just trash our mind with why we can't and we we, we look for that security. Um, And that's why I've just blended so much of the personal development stuff into my presentations now because it's what I'm passionate about. I just love helping people kick it. It's got nothing to do with sales. That's just the the leverage point um, of what I've, one, been known for and get caught in for. But it's all mindset. I just, yeah, it's, we're on such a similar path and I just love that you're seeing that too 
as yeah, well, done. that's why I think it's great, and I love that you're doing it. And I'm empowering more women to do it because the thing that I love doing, which is what my first book was about, you know, your millionaire attitude. I always say to people, and this is where I'm heading now. I will always use my marketing skills because I'm good at it. That's mm. my talent. I just it comes naturally to me to help people stand out, mm-hmm. and I love doing it. But the thing that really makes my heart sing is making women believe they can do it. Because I ran an event and I had this whole three-day event planned out and everybody had their folders and then within the first two hours of that event, I said, stop. I had people coming up to me and saying, I want to be just like you, Pam. I want to do what you're doing, Pam. And I just said, stop. I said, you are already as good if not better than me. The difference between me and you is is I just got out there and had a go. Yeah, you just did it. And, and that's it. So it's a self-belief that I find is holding the majority of women. They already have mm-hmm. what it takes. Yeah. They exactly, don't yeah. believe they can do it. Yeah. So tell me about the um, uh, mastermind experience. You've got oh, the revamps you? Yeah. That came to me in a dream. Mm-hmm. I had a dream two weeks ago. I've been doing all this um, woo-woo stuff, which is crazy because I'm so not (laughs) woo-woo. You are now, baby. I can hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing all this sort of um, just taking Pam time out where I just have to uh, relax for half an hour, uh, read a positive book and just take me time and doing a lot more walking by the ocean, Mm -hmm. uh, which I stopped doing. So uh, since I've been doing that, I've had all this creative flow and I came up with Revamp You And Revamp You is almost exactly what we're talking about. Women already have the skills and the talents. They might already even have a business, but they realize it's not that one thing. Mm -hmm. And they're ready for a revamp. You know, it's that they're not excited. They've lost their spark. They've they've almost living Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. And they want to revamp it. It's like having that facelift. Yeah. And this sounds like with what you said that you went through a year ago. I'm doing it now. I'm actually doing a revamp for my business Mm. now because just like you said, I came back playing small. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a mentor for probably a year and a half Mm -hmm. because I went into, uh, you know, comfort zone Mm -hmm. and I stopped stretching. And then I was starting to get that, you know what, Pam, you're running out of time here. Stop Stop being the coward and it's time for a stretch so that's when we blew you know it took us six figures to go to Richard Branson's Island and people say well I haven't got a spare six figures well I didn't have a spare six figures either but I took it out of my deposit for my new home because I believed that I was worth the investment and this was going to be the stretch I needed and since I've got back I've just found a mentor yesterday invested another five figures in that mentor mm-hmm. knowing that it's time to play big again. Yeah, and that's what it is as well. Um, I've actually got an interview at 3 o'clock this afternoon, <laughs> Braxton's next sleep time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of the example of the questions was, um, oh, I haven't got it in front of me, but it was something about, you know, the importance of investing in yourself or what's the biggest investment that you've made. And just like you, it is five figures and it was in a very short amount of time. It was in three months that I knew the mentor that I needed for that time. And yep. I think when you invest in yourself and for any of the listeners, um, it's you backing yourself. There's no greater compliment 
that you can um, do than to back yourself 100% and put your money and your actions um, into it. And it's it really, once you, once you invest, because it's an investment, you get it back, um, it does make you take action. And I just, of course you are. Yeah. So, so this is just yesterday. You've just taken a new mentor. Oh yeah, yesterday I just said oh, um, I looked at my husband, and he's doing it with me. Um, we both agreed that we were playing small after we got back from the island, and um, this out of the blue. You know, they say the mentor will appear when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Well, I just happened to be talking to someone about something else, and I knew this person had uh, got people like me to a level far beyond my wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. And I just said to Steve, it's time. And and so, you know, not only after we just forked out all this money and we're trying to put that back <laughs> into our business, and he said he looks at me and he says, we've just forked this out. And I said, it's time. Yeah. And he said, you're right. And so we just wrote the check. And it's an investment. You'll get it back. Oh, I'm not worried about it. I haven't even, I'm, yeah. not even, I'm not losing sleep about it. And yeah. I just thought, this is what I want. This is where I want to be to be able to get there. This is what I have to do. Mm. And so I just now at that stage where I just do it. So, Pam, two hottest tips, one for a person in a startup phase and one person that's um, she's growing, she's, her business is growing, she's getting consistent cash in. What would be two tips, one each? Okay, well, the, the first thing for a startup is really to do your market research. Um, most people just start something that they just want to do and they haven't done their market research. And I did that myself. So I know the startup, my first three businesses were a flop. Mm-hmm. But they were never, I don't find it ever a failure because the skills that I learned building them, I took into my next business that took off. Mm-hmm. So you always learn things. So I call it, you know, failing yourself forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really, but you have to do your market research and the fastest way to do that is find someone who is doing exactly what you want to do and reverse engineer what's working for them. Yeah. That's how I start now. I just thought that person is doing exactly what I want to do. What is she doing? How is she positioning herself? How is she marketing herself? Like, is she using videos? Is she doing a podcast? Is she out on social media? What's she doing on social media? Mm-hmm. So I actually go and watch what's working. And so I like teaching people how to reverse engineer instead of starting and then model what that person is doing and then put your uniqueness because no two people are the same. Yeah. Definitely. And find your one thing and then take off with that. Yeah. Don't all try to be Marie Folio. <laughs> no, that's exactly right because you're never going to be her. Oh gosh, every I mean, woman I've seen. She's there. one of a kind. The, yeah, their websites are the same, and I'm just thinking, oh god, step no. away from Marie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's almost like you can say you can see them like their backgrounds exactly the same, and they're wearing the exact same coloured outfits. But yeah. you know, it's just not going to work. Yeah, find so don't copy, but model. And, and, and like you're saying, like maybe look at that that um the strategy and the, the the following and look for what she's doing right or they're doing right yeah. um but then when you're doing the reverse engineering it's also important to find a person who's done it that can coach you through it because what you and you know this Pam it's like what you think you see to what actually really is going on behind the scenes is two different things as well oh and I learned that big time I've just been working on a um product funnel you know when things everything that you touch goes wrong 
I've been working on this silly product funnel for probably six months. Mm-hmm. And it's been disaster after disaster after disaster. And I always swear it's the universe saying to me, Pam, you're supposed to go off and do this new thing. So sometimes you're right. I was following the experts, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, telling me like this, but there was so much that they didn't tell you mm-hmm. that was and you didn't know that. That's so a that's why it was always a bit of information to the puzzle. It's the one piece of the puzzle. Significant. Yeah. Um, so, yes, you're right. So yeah. go to the person, which is what I'm doing. This person has taken somebody that I know who's where I am now to that level I want to be at. Yeah. And so I went to the person who has the results that can take me. So always go for someone who's where you want to be and if they've got a mentoring program, start with them. Yeah. And because you, you start with the free stuff, there's a stage when you are in startup mode and you're doing all the free stuff and you're watching all the things that are going on, but there's a time when you need to back yourself. There's a time when you need to take that jump and say that I'm worth it and, you know, it's it's this way or it's the highway. And once you make that jump and you your first investment, I don't know if you remember your first investment for, for learning, but you get it back because... It's it just like I was saying before, it backs you a hundred percent, and um, it just makes you take charge and suddenly be serious about that game. Not being a hobbypreneur, being you know an entrepreneur or a business owner or whatever it is that you're going after. That's the saddest thing I see is there's too many women in that hobby market. You know, um, they just say they can't do it, and they they use their children as an excuse to sort of say, but that's there's no reason why you can't do it with your children. And I'm, you know, you can have a, uh, you know, you can have someone that babysits and I'm one, you know, there's no right or wrong for each parent. Just do what works for you and your kid and your family. But don't use them as a reason that you can't play big. Mm. You know, don't, that's not a reason. It's just a, a bigger reason to play big so that you can inspire your own children to live the dream. Mm. You know, I started with, 2000 was my first course I invested on how to make money on eBay. And you'll never believe what I was selling. I was selling fake million-dollar notes. <laughs> Seriously. But that oh. money was bringing me in a 1000 bucks a month. I love it. I would, put a, I would buy this, this note for 50 cents and then put it up there for bid and everybody wanted I would go $17 for one 50-cent note. Gosh. That's you know what I mean? So don't think that, that, that but that's what I was prepared to do to learn how to make money online. Mm. It was just a learning curve. So that's where I started. That was my first investment. But I'll tell you, I spent a year trying to do it free. Yeah. Longest year of my life. Mm. When you, you when you pay, you pay attention and you do you're, it. Yeah, you're definitely invested. Mm. And I'm definitely invested because I just forked out a decent amount of money. And, <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm on Look fire. Yeah. So, Pam, tell me, um, woman in the growth stage, she's, her business is doing good. She's okay. finally clicking over the cash. She's feeling comfortable. Yep. Pretty confident now. Yep. What 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 would be some advice based on your own experience? The big question is, is she still happy doing what she's doing? Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. I, I you know, there's women. This is the stage that I was doing. You know, I'm making money. I have a great lifestyle. I travel around the world. I have fun, but I'd lost my zing. My spark wasn't there. So 
the question is, if you're loving what you're doing, then obviously it's how to play a bigger game, how to get to that next level and stretch and finding the right person who can stretch you. That That's the only thing really. Mm. You just have to say, am I ready for a boost? Or if you're in your comfort zone and you're loving and living the lifestyle and you've got what you want, is there something else that I can consciously be doing to make a bigger impact? So you just have to ask yourself the question. If you're not where you want to be financially, then it's time to stretch. If you are where you want to be financially, then it's time to reach. Mm-hmm. And that's where you make a bigger impact and help others. Right. Nice. So that just depends on the individual person and, and what their personal objectives are and vision and dreams are for their, their life. Mm. Well, Pam, thank you so much for your just sharing your story, your greatness, your messages. Um, I think it's the record of the longest interview I've had. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know we've been going for a while. Never be sorry because it's just such great, uh, such great listening. We might even put this into two parts. Pam, where's the best place for people to get in contact with you? Uh, they can come and hang out with me on my website at pambrosman.com mm-hmm. or they can find me on Facebook. That's where I hang out most of the time. Um, just look for Pam Brosman and you'll find me there as well. Beautiful. Pam, thanks so much today for today and um, I'm sure we'll be um, crossing paths again soon. Well, it's your turn to come and hang out with me on my podcast very soon. Yes. What's your podcast name? Let's just share that for a second. Oh, it's um, Awesome Boost. Awesome Boost. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome, Pam. Have a great day. Okay, thank you. Bye. You're listening to Cashflow Candy, helping you make candy for your business. Now, if you want to hear some more awesome interviews of female entrepreneurs that have smashed through that glass ceiling, then please make sure you subscribe to Cashflow Candy. And if you feel that this interview is going to help a friend of yours, make sure you share the love. Let's keep making candy for your business. Bye-bye.